0: So we have the um, opportunity to devote a day today to practice, to cultivating these skills that constitute path activity. And I'd like to reflect a little bit and then we can do a little guidance around the the balance of samatha and vipassana meditation, which for some of you this is familiar territory, for others this is new. Um, samatha meditation, samatha literally means calming or stilling of thoughts, the samatha meditations. And for many people that's what meditation is about. Often when When people are new to meditation, what they first experience is the unruliness of the mind and the feeling of the thinking processes being all over the place and often feeling very early on a sense of being a failure (laughs) because the mind won't stop. And um, if that's our only perspective on meditation, that somehow we've got to get the thinking mind to stop or to, to get it to calm down when it's not... Calm, then then our meditation experience can be quite fraught. And so, while there is an advantage to having a calmed, gathered mind, thinking processes that uh, are more subdued, that quieten, it's, there's also um, <clears throat> it's also valuable to know that when that's not happening, when there's more agitation or dullness, emotional content, that, there's, that that's not the end of meditation. That, that those states of mind, those states of being, those emotional experiences, psychological content, can be included as objects of reflection and investigation. And this is more the vipassana or the inquiry. Vipassana means more like seeing into or inquiry or reflecting upon the nature of things, the nature of our experience. So usually these two aspects, the calming and the steadying and the reflective investigative side of uh, meditation are put together as as something that we learn to to cultivate as supports, that um, they balance each other. The first few days of the retreat we've been focusing a bit more on the samatha meditation on the calming and studying. And usually samatha the principle of samatha meditation is taking an object that's more steady, more calming than the mental perceptive thought processes like the body, like sensation, like sound, like breath, mantra, candle flame, something that that's an object that allows the attention. We bring the attention which is usually led by thought. We take that same attention and steady it upon that object. It's a very simplistic way of, of talking about the structure of Samatha, how it works, or the, the method of it. So in the first two foundations, the first foundation of the Satipatthana Sutta that the Buddha taught, we use the breath and body as the object, as that which we bring attention to for the sake of this steadying and this gathering, this calming... And for some of you, just working with that, and some of you have worked with sounds, you can begin to experience the, the quality of, of mind, bod- the energetic quality of the body, the quality of mind as it starts to, <coughs> to calm and gather. It can be quite still, quite lovely. The mind gets less concerned, there's less concern about the daily pressures of life. There's less being caught up in planning, less caught up in in memories, and more contentment with just simply being present. About one of the difficulties of summer to meditation, if one gets very good at it, you never really want to do anything. <laughs> you just want to park off and get calm and enjoy that. And for, for many of us, it's very valuable to be able to experience that, to really have access, to realize <coughs> that just through application of a simple training of attention, simplification, disengagement, the, the word that I think Kittisara used at some point, viveka, which means to withdraw, to withdraw the mind from worry about the world, grief over the world, disappointment with the world, hankering after the world. This samatha is dependent upon this ability to viveka, to withdraw, to renounce, to simplify, to put down. Just to put down things for some time be- for the time being. And to know that we can do that as a resource... There's a way of regathering our stability, our clarity, our strength, our well-being. It's, it's useful to know that we can do that. Take a few days out, we've only really been doing a few days. And if one develops that as, as a skill, at first when we start to meditate, as I said on my first retreat, mind is all over the place usually, so... You have to be very patient. The to meditation demands really a lot of patience. It's the same way if, if you were learning a new musical instrument, you wouldn't expect, or a language, you wouldn't expect to pick it up and be fluent immediately, but you'd expect to just practice. And Samatha meditation is really <coughs> grows and develops as we practice it, as we cultivate it. However, it's also dependent upon a certain amount of control, control in this case of the environment. You know, we. It's easier to do when no one is distracting us or demanding anything from us or engaging us, when it's quiet, when there's no daily concerns impacting us, when we put things down, when we're not dealing with stuff. So in some ways, it's, it's a very um, when it's not fully matured and developed into summer sama, samadhi and unshakability of the heart, it's it's dependent on a certain amount of being able to control our environment and on the lessening of internal the internal um, upsurge of our own psychodynamic material. if we're always being washed away with 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 our feelings and emotions and planning and distractions then sometimes it's useful to to be able to have some ability to, to put that down you know and to get some strength of of attention strength of mindfulness strength of samadhi But it's also important to realize when that's not there and say we're sitting very quietly, we're very still and there's a disturbance. Someone moves or there's a noise or we feel suddenly something appears within the heart, within the mind, within our consciousness that isn't that easy to be with, isn't still and calm. It's restless, it's hot, it's upset. It's distracted. It's frightened. Then, to you know, if we if we're not able to really put that down, and it keeps impinging, then this vipassana is the skill of being able to open the attention, the awareness, to be more inclusive, to to take that sense of being disturbed into our contemplation, into our reflection and to investigate what's happening here. If we don't have any strength of samatha, any strength of uh, attention, then what we start to open the mind to, we just get washed away. We become very reactive around it. So uh, a painful memory comes up with a storyline, should have done this, should have done that, maybe underneath some constriction of the heart. Instead of being able to bring awareness to that, to reflect on it, to investigate, what's the sensation here, what's the feeling tone, how solid is this really, noticing its impermanence. If there's not much strength of, of samatha or samadhi, not so much strength of attention, then either we we start to struggle with that, judge it, interpret it as a, you know, this is me, this is my problem, or we try and push it away, repress it, or we just get completely lost and we sit thinking, worrying, planning, dreaming, fretful. and And we'll experience that some of the patterns, some of the things that come up, we have a moment of mindfulness and we see this is just an experience of anxiety. It's just like this. It feels unstable, it's it's wobbly, it's unpleasant. We sustain mindfulness, sustain that same attention that we've brought to the breath. We take it to that experience and it will subside, and the stillness will return. Other times we, we take the attention, <laughs> You know, some of these patterns, these sankharas, are, or what we chanted this morning, the translation that they've been using, karma formations, come up, and it doesn't subside. It's got some energy in it. We've invested over a lifetime in a certain habit, a certain way of of shaping ourselves around the energy of of fear or avoidance or resistance or reluctance or longing or looking for and we bring attention and it and it's and it has a lot of energy a lot of power and so we start to to reflect and then if it doesn't subside, we can we can investigate what, and this is where the the relationship with the body is useful. Where where do I feel this? Where so that we start to, in a way, drop a little bit beneath the storyline around it, and the the grumpy thing that goes on in the mind about if so and so hadn't have done blah blah blah, and if I can sort this out, and they're not doing that right, and I'm not doing all of those um, pathways, those patternings in the brain of cognitive uh, way that we cover over almost the underlying feeling of dukkha. It's called dukkha, discontent, dis-ease, pain, struggle. So in the vipassana, we might just uh, open the attention and be interested. First of all, just be interested. In what's happening here? Rather than seeing this is a disturbance, this is a drag. My meditation's not working. I'm a mess. If I was a good meditator, I wouldn't experience <laughs> my mind going all over the place. These these turbulent emotions. Just realizing, well, actually, it's probably because you've made some space that you've that, that you're allowing some of this material, which is often Sometimes repressed out of consciousness, or we distract from. We're allowing it some of the light of day, the light of awareness. So some of these sankharas, some of these patterns have you know a lot of depth in them, and we'll we'll revisit them again and again and again. You know, you see them. Mm. I remember, and I used to go listen to Krishnamurti, and he'd say, you know, Mm. you've seen it once and it's ended. Finished. I think actually I have to see it a billion times, <laughs> and it diminishes a little bit. <laughs> so I mean, you know, clearly it worked for him, perhaps, but <laughs> um, but the, but it's not so much about you know I'm realizing over the years about in the meditation we always judge it sometimes by how calm the mind is or how the mind is but it's we're not really giving credit for the skills we're cultivating about the relationship to a, to to our psychodynamic material to the world around us that actually our ability to meet particularly if it's a um, unpleasant or difficult states of mind or emotion or bodily sensation, to meet that with some more spaciousness, patience, inquiry, interest, investigation. And as we investigate, as we look a bit more closely, as we stop interpreting, particularly around as a way that we often interpret the experience of the body, both externally how we view our bodies. We have these perceptions about the physical form that we inhabit, They're very powerful. And that sh- that often shapes the sense of ourself. You know, there's a million dollar industry on shaping the body just so <laughs> to generate a self-perception. And yet, in a way, the body's just the body doing its things, part of nature. You know, No one's body is really like those ones in the magazines, a bit sort of bumpy and flabby and... <laughs> ...is as it is. And so in, in a way we're replacing the reactivity and then internally the, 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 the external, the kaya, the form of the body, and internally the rupa, the internal experience of body as flow and pressure, pain... We call it pain, but underneath, when we start to investigate, maybe constriction, (coughs) lightness, bubbliness, and then feeling tone, feeling, Vedana, very powerful. Often when we feel a feeling, we immediately interpret it as, as, this is me. You know, feeling comes up, feeling of sadness, or, or loneliness, or alienation, or particularly if it's a difficult feeling, we immediately label that as, I am, I'm this, I'm this feeling. So this interpretive, whatever the mindfulness, the intention comes into contact with, there's an immediate interpretation and shaping of designation of self. This is me. And as Kilisara was saying in his last night's talk, there's this sense of constriction of the awareness into a, a bubble. And then we start to struggle with that. And so all of that mechanism of identification, interpretation, designation, being constricted around, we're beginning to replace the relationship to our experience with moments of mindfulness, moments of inquiry. This is the Vipassana, so feeling comes up, feelings there, and we can just perhaps say, there is this feeling. It's, how is it? We might, we might call it sadness, how is it? It's, it's heavy maybe, it's a bit dull around the edges, it's, it's uh, intangible, I can't quite put a name. But that same mindfulness we just start to explore. Is it, and we can even ask ourselves questions. Is, it, is there some solid core here? Is it, is it lasting? And even with um, more subtle, sometimes when the mind can be very still and there can be very subtle movement of the thought process. I'm doing really, you sit there and it's very still, very calm and the thought comes, I'm doing really well. <laughs> this is really going well. If I do more of this, then, and then we start to plan, I must do some more retreats and <laughs> and the next thing we've gone off and ordained in our minds. <laughs> it's just the way one thought can, you know, there's a, the pupuncha that the Buddha, the proliferation of thought. One, one thought will come up and the next thing we've created a whole world for ourselves. I don't know if you notice that, just based on one perception of the mind or I'm doing really badly, it's going, I'm just such a mess, I'm so screwed up, I'm going to go ring up my therapist and I need to you know, go and sort myself out. And, and it, all of that might be true. <laughs> it's not to say that maybe we shouldn't go off to a monastery or shouldn't go off and put ourselves into some kind of um, body work or therapy or sort out our relationships, sort this out, sort that out. But in a way it's nice sometimes just to be able to, <laughs> to see this is a thought arising and passing <laughs> before we create ourselves and a whole reality on top of it. Because it's liberating, isn't it? I mean, that's the liberate, that's, you know, the, the Vipassana meditation, the inquiry, moments of, you know, um, inquiry like this is a moment of wisdom, activates the wisdom allows us to see the insubstantiality. And when we see that, there is, as Krishnamurti was right, there's liberation. It's like we return into what remains. Kiddhisara was talking last night. The heart, the mind can resettle back into its own nature. Not going anywhere, not needing anything, not having to attain anything. Just being... So Vipassana meditation is a little more difficult to quantify because it's, uh, it's, less, it's less working on the faculty of control. It's less um, technique-orientated, although there are techniques that have developed, particularly, say, in the Burmese method of labeling, which can be very helpful to sometimes... There's thinking just to be able to say, this is thinking or this is sensation... Which just gives you that bit of space before you get shaped by it. But in a way, it's fundamentally a reflective type of meta. It's reflecting on our experience without resisting what's present or being shaped by what's present. It's being able, it's the natural capacity of the awareness to reflect. It's, it's becoming more rooted in that. And it's supported by moments of being here. This is the summata, moments of being accurately here. With the body, with the breath, with the feeling tones, with the rain, with the sounds, with feeling a bit heavy, not very clear, or feeling light and luminous. Whatever's here, we're not judging it. We're just bringing attention, we're shifting our relationship from one of judgment, interpretation, reactivity, to just noticing, to inquiry, to mindfulness, uh, to kindliness, to spaciousness, to investigation, to reflectiveness, reflecting. This is how it is to be human. So today in our meditation I just encourage you to explore these two sometimes they're talked about as two legs that we walk on or or Chan used the analogy of the the blade in the back of the knife you need both the the blade is that which can cut through that's the inquiry to see clearly and the back of the knife to give it the weight or the power is the samatil, the samadhi, the ability to be, to really have the mind's energy gathered in a way that's, that's, uh, that has strength, gathered and rooted in this present moment awareness. And, and ultimately, they're not really that distinct, they work together. And we might talk about one and develop one and then talk about the other, but really they're, they're working together. But you might find that you have a preference or you wish to cultivate. You know, for some for some of you, it's very helpful to really strengthen the Samatha meditation, the calming meditations, because just to get the taste of what it's like to feel the mind... The heart in a state of well-being, in a state of attunement in the present moment, because you're so used to experiencing yourself so scattered, all over the place. That you know, just to hold on to something, very keeping it very, very simple, just being with the breath, just being with the sound, and that's fine. If that's what you really want to focus on and develop today, then I really encourage that. And for others of you and perhaps the mind is fairly steady and you're more interested to explore what you know, when you feel contact. A sound, taste, touch, memory, perception, what's going on here? To to look at its nature. And for some maybe the mind is so riotous. <laughs> So all over the place and emotions firing off all over the place that even to think about calming it just makes you feel even more uptight there's not a, not even a moment of space then then I would encourage a very wide you know it's like making the awareness really big to just really spacious really gentle just to feel well can I I mean, I've gone through meditation retreats where the best I can do is just have a a spacious awareness while the sort of absolute chaos and madness goes on in my in my mind. All the things, sometimes all the things that one's repressed or not looked at, and yet it's you know you can say, well, this is just a mess, you know, (laughs) it's just chaos. But little by little, you're shifting the relationship. You're learning that you can be with chaos, be with mess, be with strong impulses and feelings without reactivity, just listening. This is another route to some of listening into how it is, it's you know, listening to those voices, listening to those feelings. And you, it's useful mm. if, there is a, if there is a lot going on, psychodynamically, sometimes the listening meditation, literally listening to sound can be very soothing. Because when you listen, if you notice, you open the awareness. It's larger rather than constricting around the breath, which can feel a bit too intense if there's already a lot going on internally. So, Or to just keep the eyes gently open, not having to look at anything, but just allow the eyes to relax but open and listening. So you're keeping the senses open, and it just softens and opens the awareness and allows... You know, and you just sit in a strong posture, try to keep strong posture in your chair, on your cushion. And it's an, it's an hour in your sitting meditation of babysitting the crazy mind. That's it. <laughs> and just bear, sort of like rocking it gently in, in your awareness. So we adjust, don't we? Sometimes it's like that. Sometimes it's very, very still. We don't need to look at it It's just enjoying the stillness. Sometimes we... Moments of investigating... Subtle movements of the mind, larger, stronger patternings, and that which notices. the the patterns, notices, what's called the hindrances, the classical obstructions, that which constricts, and movements of desire or looking for something, always looking for the next thing, something that's not here, or the, the movement of resistance, aversion, not wanting to be here, not wanting to be with what's here. The restlessness, just sort of bouncing off the walls, the dullness, the heaviness, and what's called the doubt. The mind goes, "Well, what should I do? Should I do Vipassana, Samatha, Metta, (laughs) Zogchen, devotional mantras? You know, what should I do? And give me an answer. (laughs) Should I read something? Shouldn't I? Should I? Shouldn't I?" should I stay? Should I go? (laughs) Am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? And it has a very powerful thing in us, isn't it? Looking for the right right answer. Tell me the right right answer. So the Buddha comes down and says, do this. And you go, right. Was that really the Buddha? (laughs) Do they know what they're talking about? (laughs) So, to know doubt is uh, to be able to say, This is doubt, without the need to find an answer. Say, This is doubt. This is not knowing. This is how it is. This is what Vipassana is. It's like inquiry. It? This is the mind in a state of doubt. What's the effect of that? Feels uncertain, wobbly. But that which knows doubt isn't doubting. That which knows desire is desire, that which knows aversion is an averse. So there's that, someone was asking about refuge, in one of the written questions what's refuge? Well, we're ultimately taking refuge in that which knows, that which knows things as they are, as they move and change knows the dharmas, the dharmas of love and hate and loss and gain and movement and up and down and happiness and sadness and all of that can be known by this Buddha knowing, that which is awake, present, here and now to how it is. So for the last short while of this session, just... um, taking the opportunity to establish our posture Just feeling the, the strength of being able to sit in the posture of meditation. The spine is straight, and the chest is open. palms are relaxed. Softening around the, the jaw and the shoulders and the belly as we exhale. As we inhale, allowing the inhalation to awaken gently, enliven, nourish the body, this bodily form, feeling the in-breath reaching out subtly into bloodstream and the cells of the body even, rippling through the physical form, and then as we exhale, it's so gently softening a little bit more around places where we hold in the body. Shoulders, maybe in the chest and the belly, the jaw, down through the thighs. Just beginning a meditation session by noticing what what are we with, so that we don't just do a technique without being sensitive to what are we with now. What what do we? How can that inform our approach? So, being sensitive tuning in to the body mind energy heart space what's what's present here for us Notice if there's any tendency to judge. It should be a different way. That tendency comes up, just noticing it and adjusting our attitude a little to, can we really receive how it is accurately? With interest? Perhaps even extending uh, an attitude of metta or kindliness to our experience, this body, this heart, this mind. Which also means uh, an ability of allowing, a sense of allowing for what's here, for how we are. find our attention drawn to an aspect of what's present either the sensation of the body the breath, the sound of the rain We're just allowing our attention to steady with an aspect of what's present for us. Preferably something that's more soothing or stabilizing or neutral, like the breath or sound, or part of the body where sensation is grounding, calming. just spending the last short while just being with that simply